Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. take your Bibles and we'll turn to our text verse. We will not stand this morning, but we'll be in the book of Exodus chapter 33. We're going to just look at one verse as our springboard into the message this morning. But I'd like to begin by saying that I believe we have an epidemic here in the United States of America, and that is this word called loneliness. And that word loneliness could come in the form of a husband and wife who seems to, to go to a church but somehow is ostracized, not really a long list of friends. It especially can happen to single people, and whether they're single because of being a widow, a widower, or a divorce, or never been married. Uh, they can come to a church looking, hoping, praying, earning, uh, have a yearning in the, in, in, inside For a friend. There's an epidemic called loneliness today. Most of us were surrounded by people, but we live in a society of loneliness. Everyone from little children to aging seniors experience feelings of perhaps isolation or maybe even rejection or or some type of seclusion. I, I will say that I think COVID had a detrimental impact in this area. And we're still trying to overcome it. But if this problem existed before COVID, COVID only exasperated the problem. And we still have this huge problem today. Now, I want you to know this morning that I am not speaking to anyone that's outside these walls. They're not here. You are. So I'm speaking to a captive audience of hundreds and hundreds of people that need to hear There are people that are perhaps in your very row who seem to be the life of the party, but in reality, they are incredibly lonely. And they don't know how to deal with this. And I want us to recognize there are two types of loneliness. First of all, there's the social loneliness. That is, is that maybe there are people here that are isolated from family and friends. There are people that have have moved here because of a job and in their job, there's not really friends. They're acquaintances at job. So they come to a church hoping for some friendships, but yet they're still searching, and they've been here for months, if not a couple of years, and they're hoping for a, a friendship to develop in their church. And so there's the social loneliness of who do I spend time with outside of my work? And the second type of loneliness is, is much worse, and it's called emotional loneliness. And this is the most common type of loneliness. It occurs when, when, when we feel we have no one to share our deepest concerns. And perhaps there's no one who truly understands my struggles or my joys. There's no one to share that with. And I want to submit to you this morning that the Bible teaches us the solution to the problem of loneliness is friendship. Now, friendship. Moses, he was so lonely as the leader of the nation of Israel. Thousands of years ago, this was a problem, and it's still a problem today. That's why I love our text verse this morning. It's a tremendous verse for us to begin this message on friendship. 
And if you'll look at one verse, Exodus chapter 33, verse number 11, and the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Now what I see here in this verse is some very encouraging news, but also with some instruction that all of us need this morning. And so I ask you, I, I, I plead with you, you say, I have plenty of friends. I don't need more friends. That might be true. But there are a lot of people who do need friendship in this church. And I'm asking you to help um, listen to this message this morning and pay attention. Father, I ask that you will bless the words that have been prepared, that you will help us to understand the significance of, of this very important emotional, social, spiritual need of friends and family here at Tucson Baptist Church. Father, guide my words and my thoughts, but also would you guide the ears and the hearts of those who are listening this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God created within every single human being a craving for friendship. Some may call it community. Some may call it a village. I've heard that referred to. Others may refer to it as a, our spiritual family. I, whatever word you want to use, the reality is this morning is that every one of us, we have a need for a connection. And in that connection, I'm going to refer to it as friendship. Frankly speaking, it begins with the letter F and it fits into my alliteration. I want us to focus on friendship. We need someone who will rejoice with us, someone who will cry with us, someone who will comfort us when we crawl through the valleys of despair or laugh with us when we're on the mountaintops of happiness. We need someone who is an ever-present companion through the ins and the outs of the daily grind, someone that we can always count on. I would even say this, Friendships are some of our most valuable possessions. Friendships. Uh, the poet Emily Dickinson wrote, My friends are my estate. Every human being needs friendship on a couple of different levels. First of all, we need that horizontal connection. We need horizontal friendships. We need deep, meaningful friendships with other people. The proverb says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. In other words, we have to work on building friendships, community, family. It, it takes work, and it takes an investment, and it takes time. I wonder, are you working on building friendships or you just let life happen, and if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We also need vertical friendship. We need a vertical friendship. The Bible says, oh, there is a friend that sticks closer to a brother, and his name is Jesus Christ. Unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you'll never escape loneliness. Because every time you put your head on your pillow, you're not sure where you'd wake up if you were to die that night. You're not sure where your eternity is, so you can never escape loneliness if you do not have a vertical relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, James said this, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. 
Jesus said to his disciples in John 15 and verse 15, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Now, just a moment. I'd like everyone to look up here because this is something I referred to at the beginning. I'm going to be really transparent with you. Is that okay? It's very dangerous. It's unnerving. But it's also going to be authentic. The fact of the matter is, is that all of us need friends. And we're going to learn 10 aspects, 10 elements, 10 things that are essential in a friendship. So I want to begin by saying this. Shelly and I have been here 15 years. In 15 years, we've been invited to exactly 12 people's home to have a meal in 15 years. Ooh, it got quiet in here. In 15, now I think I'm pretty friendly, but I know Shelly is. In fact, Shelly has absolutely, if you've been here any length of time, fixed multiple meals for you. In fact, we have invited every single church family to our house multiple times in 15 years. And we were supposed to do it the first week of January, but the weather didn't cooperate. It was absolutely frigid, and so we had to actually postpone it to, I think it's March or something like that. We have invited every single family in this church to our home multiple times. Now, if you've not come, it's been your choice, and that's fine. But in 15 years of serving as your pastor, we have been, we have been invited to exactly... 12 homes. Now that's not, we haven't been here 15 months, 15 weeks. We've been here 15 years. Now, thank you so much. I'll come. I got an invitation up here in the front row already. Now, some of you have an easy out. You would say, Pastor, I have a so that's the only way you can have an easy out. Now, I do understand some of you have since gone and purchased cats. Because you know the pastor will never visit your home because you have a cat. And for those who are visiting, I'm highly, deathly, I mean, seriously, deathly allergic to cats. I mean, if I'm around a cat, I, I, I get very, very sick. Um, now, that's a lighthearted moment, but the point is this. If Tucson Baptist Church is such a friendly church, wouldn't the pastor be invited to your home? I, I would think. So that tells me that there's a paradigm in our church that needs to be exploded and broken apart is that we do not do a very good job in this area of friendship. Because I'm going to make this big leap that if we in 15 years have only been invited, now, now some of you say, uh, well, you came to my home when there was a death in the family. That, that, that doesn't count. I'm saying we've been invited to 12 homes to slide underneath the table to have a meal in 15 years. So that tells me this. We are friendly 
We love hanging around people. People are our livelihood. So that tells me that there's people here that's been here five years, and maybe they've never been invited to even one person's home. Or there's people here that's been here 10 years, and they've been invited to two people's homes. So while I like to say, man, we're a friendly church, you know where we're friendly? We're friendly at church. And that is not the type of biblical friendship I'm speaking of this morning. Because we should be friendly at church. But friendship begins when we leave church. And I want us to recognize that we're not doing such a good job as a church focusing on friendship, village, community, spiritual house, whatever you want to say, uh, whatever language you want to use. I'm saying as a pastor to my congregation, this is an area we need to work on. And it's quiet, and I'm feeling very lonely right now. Let me share 10 thoughts with you, and may the Holy Spirit of God convict us and help us to understand the significance of the message this morning. Is it possible? Is it possible that someone could come for 15 years, only be invited to a couple of people's home, and say, man, that is the greatest church in the world? I don't think so. I think we've got to do a better job starting today with this area. And we need to make it a focus in our life. Focus number one, here's what I think of friends. Friends listen. Friends listen. Genuine friends have ears. And many people, they're self-centered. They only want to talk about themselves. And they don't listen when you speak because they're too busy thinking of what they're going to say next. A true friend listens when, when you speak. And he wants to understand how you feel. And he wants to understand your concerns. And there's a well-known, there's a well-known author. He tells this story about one of his daughters uh, um, when she was quite small. One day, he came home tired from being in the office at church. And he sat down in his easy chair. There were happened to be a football game on. He just wanted to relax, and he just wanted to watch the football game, and, and his young daughter kept jibber-jabbering as, as fast as she could and, and vainly trying to enjoy the game. Uh, 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 the dad said, honey, just slow down. You're talking too fast, and, and quick as a whip, the, uh, his little daughter said, no, daddy, I'm not talking too fast. You're listening too slow. Um, uh, we don't listen anymore. That's why I started this message the way I did, while I had your captured attention that maybe you would listen. We have a problem. We have a concern. We're unfocused. We're not balanced in this area. And it's going to take collectively all of us extending ourselves and, and getting ourselves out of our own comfort zones uh, a little bit to listen to people and things that they may need to talk about. You know, we, I said earlier that Jesus is our friend and he listens to us. Let me illustrate from the word. The psalmist wrote, he shall call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and I will honor him. And Isaiah said, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. And uh, he said, uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 and verse number 9, And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. James remind us that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When is the last time you truly just listened? 
with open ears and an open heart to someone who needed a friend. May I just tell you that I, I could talk about, and I'm not trying to be funny, I could talk about Duke basketball. That's shallow. I could talk about cycling, and we can have a connection there, and that's shallow. But when I listen to someone that says, I'm hurting in this area, and I say, I'm going to come alongside and I'm going to pray with you, and we'll see how I can help. A gentleman talked to me this morning. He said, Pastor, I'm going to have to have a kidney transplant. You know what I stopped? I was, I was in a hurry. I needed to go over here to talk to someone that I wanted to say. I stopped what I was doing. I said, oh, no, what's going on? And he shared the details of that. And I said, I don't understand all of these details, but let's get together and, and let me know what has to happen uh, for you to have a kidney transplant and how that works. Friends will stop and listen. Number two, I see when I study this area of focusing on friendships, we, uh, friends will share interest. Our friends will share interest. We will find something that binds us, something that causes us to, uh, uh, to come alongside each other. Genuine friends always find a common ground with us. And sometimes God brings special friends into our lives, and, and they have much in common with us. And, and, uh, and though you may have friends with whom you have perhaps no common interest, uh, your best friends have something in common with you. That's, we come to church, we find people of interest. There's people that, 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 that love military, and the military people always find each other. And there's people that love cycling, and, and maybe they find each other. And there's people that love fitness, and they find each other. And there's people that love crocheting they find each other and there's people that love motorcycles and they have a way of finding each other and there's people that love this and that and they have they'll find each other may i just may i just say this may we understand what common ground is jesus was our friend and he found common ground with us what do I mean by that? The Bible says he made himself of no reputation and he took upon him the form of a servant and he was made in the likeness of men. In fact, when he came, he, he not only limited his power as God, he endured every possible frustration and pain that men and women could endure. He found common ground with us. And now listen, we, we're too easy to not find common ground with someone. Do you know we have common ground in the fact that we know Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior, and that's the first thing that should attract us to each other, is finding and sharing interests. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, in verse number 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we were, and yet without sin, Jesus Christ found common interest with us. And if he can find common interest with us as the God of heaven, I can absolutely assure you that we can find common interest with other people in our church. Number three, friends protect. A focused friendship will find protection. Genuine friends always look out for us. Walter Winchow has said, a friend is one who walks in when others walk out. Jonathan was a great friend to the future king, David. And when Jonathan's own father, King Saul, planned to kill David, Jonathan warned his friend and helped him to escape. How do 
good friends protect us. Why? I say this, that they know how to keep private things private. Have you ever thought about that? A good friend knows how to keep private things private. It's rooted in the Bible. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. So he that is a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 18, 16 and verse 28 says this, a froward man soweth strife. But I want you to look at the words on the screen behind me. It says this, a whisper, a gossip, separateth close or chief friends. A close friend knows how to keep his mouth shut and to protect. I recently read of a mother uh, on the internet who decked another mother because the mother made fun of her handicapped child. And if necessary, friends will fight for us. Because Jesus is our friend, he protects us. He gives us the example of this. In fact, it's rooted in the word of God. He protected the Israelites when they were coming out of slavery from Egypt. He protected Elijah when the, the king's own wife Jezebel tried her best to kill him. He protected Elisha and showed his servant his vast array that was an army that we cannot even see. He protected three men who were in a fiery furnace. And if God can protect three people in a raging, fiery furnace, I can absolutely assure you he can protect you. He protected Daniel when he was food for the lions. He protected Jonah. And yes, Jonah had wickedly ran away from the Lord. Jonah was away from God. Jonah had did exactly the opposite of what God had told him to do. And even in spite of that, he protected him and gave him life in the belly of that great fish. I say to you, he protects us today and we should protect our friends as well. The psalmist wrote, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. The psalmist wrote, The angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him and delivereth them. There should be some protection. A church shouldn't be one that's quick to gossip and tell everything we know because that will separate friends and that will cause people to leave a church. The fourth thing that a friend must be focused on, friends tell the truth. Friends tell the truth. Genuine friends are honest with us. Oscar Wilde wrote, a true friend always stabs you in the front. Well, we may think that's humorous. The fact is that sometimes we need to be told the truth, and the truth hurts. And a front stab is always better than a back stab. In Proverbs chapter number 27 and verse number 6, the Bible says this, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Sometimes we need to be told the truth, and I think that's what Paul had in mind when he admonished the Ephesians to speak the truth in love. We need to be told the truth when we've offended someone. We need to be told the truth when we've made a mistake. We need to be told the truth when we are about to make a bad decision, and a true friend, a friend that will protect, will tell you, you don't need to buy that brand new car right now. Your finances can't afford that. It's not a wise decision. Now, listen, do you know what a lot of times we do as friends? We find friends who will affirm our lifestyle rather than finding friends who will help us be better. 
And so we, 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 we don't want a friend that would say, that's a bad idea because that would upset us. We don't want a friend that would tell us, listen, you need to get some help. You need to get some counseling. Your marriage is coming unraveled. We, we, we don't like that kind of friend. We want friends to take our side, especially when there's a marital spat the guy has his friends and the girl has her friends and they affirm each other and they make the, the battle worse. I'm here to say that we need some friends that will speak the truth in our life. Have you ever noticed how even the Word of God cuts? For the Word of God, the Bible says, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what this book would do. What would happen if we had some friends that would come alongside and support the book and make our friendship stronger? Sometimes the truth hurts, but I'm so thankful that the truth of Jesus is like a surgeon's scalpel and it cuts out that love and it cuts out that sin. It cuts out those mistakes to allow the body to heal. Number five, friends will overlook faults. Friends will overlook faults. Is there a one who could stand up here this morning and say, I'm perfect. I've never made a mistake. Not a one of us. In fact, every one of us, we have warts, and we have splotches on our body, and we have bad eyesight, and we have hips that have been replaced, and if you're like Ed Argraves, knees multiple times. We all have faults, and, and we all have insecurities, and we all have things that aren't perfect. Lawrence Peters says that you can tell a real friend by the fact that when you've made a fool of yourself, he doesn't feel that you've done a permanent job. Jesus is our friend, and he overlooks our faults. You ever heard about King David? King David and all of the things that he's done wrong, and there's not a one of us that's done all the things that King David did wrong. Now, maybe we've done one or two or three of the things that he did as three different people, but David did a lot of things wrong. And yet, as I shared with the Empowered Growth Group class this morning, God, supernaturally, as only he can do, he restored the joy of David's salvation, and eventually he was called a man after God's own heart. I'm here to tell you that it, you have never done something so bad that Jesus won't still overlook and love you and forgive you. Nothing. Many people have the false idea that when a person comes to Jesus, he must clean up his life first. I'm so thankful that's not true, or Dave Armstrong may have never gotten saved, my father. My mom and dad came to Jesus and all of their sin and all of the things that they were involved in, and, uh, and, and they, didn't have to get, they didn't have to clean up and change all those things before. Jesus changed those things afterwards. Jesus accepts you where you are, and so often we throw away friendships because uh, somebody's not exactly like us, and we consider them the dregs of society. But I just tell you, Jesus associated with the dregs of society. He hung out with some pretty bad people. The Bible even says that he was the friend. Did you hear that? He was the friend of sinners. Don't misunderstand. Jesus never condoned our sin. He hates your sin. He wants to take your sin away, but he also wants to be the one who helps clean up your life. 
And so often we, we find reasons not to have friendships, reasons to separate from someone, reasons just to say hi at church. May I just say, Jesus is our model, and he overlooked a lot of faults to allow you to be in church today and to give you a new day to breathe and a new day to be alive. Number six, my, as, my, friend, uh, as, as uh, my time has gone by, friends will bear burdens. As we're focused on friendship, friends will bear burdens. Genuine friends help carry your load. Often, life hands us some great burdens, whether it's a loss of a job, a, a handicap, poor health, a loss of a loved one, a breakup of a marriage, a, a, a child who, who wants to separate from us. A, a true friend helps carry that load. And Paul even said this, and he commanded the church. He says, bear ye one another's burdens. And in doing so, you fulfill the law of Christ, which was to love one another. Solomon said, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And because Jesus is our friend, um, uh, he also is our burden bearer, and he takes our burden upon himself. And one of my favorite passages is 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 7. And here we are told here, cast, our, cast down our burdens, and we all are carrying burdens. And cast your burdens, cast those down, cast your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Can I ask a somewhat simplistic question? If Jesus will do that for us, why will we not do that for others? Why will we not help bear the burdens of others when Jesus says, hey, cast your care, I'm here for you. I want you to remember his great invitation that we will eventually get to in Matthew chapter 11 when we get back in Matthew. But he says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is like friends come alongside, and they help relieve burdens that someone else is carrying. Number seven, I, I am thankful for this point that is comes from the Word of God, and that is this. Friends are loyal. Friends are loyal. A friend is someone that you can always count on. I have some friends in my life that are very close. And here's how I can say that they're very close. I never worry what they're going to say when I'm not in their presence. I, I, I'm not worried. I don't lose sleep I know that they know things about me that, that other people do not know, and I do not worry that they're going to share that. I, I, I know that there are some things that Pastor Howard and I have shared personally, as he's my personal uh, friend, that I know that, that he doesn't tell you, he doesn't tell other people. Friends are loyal. I wonder if you could start naming how many loyal friends you have in your life, at what digit would you stop on one hand? What? At what digit would you stop on one hand? Friends are loyal. <laughs> there, it reminds me of a story I read about a farmer. He was detained for questioning about an election scandal. Um, the attorney says, did you sell your vote? 
No, sir, not me, the farmer protested. I, I voted for that fellow over there because I like him. Come on now, threatened the attorney. I have evidence that you gave $50 for a vote. Well, now, it's plain old good old common sense that when a fella gives you $50, you like him. <laughs> I'm not talking about your friendships being purchased, but I am talking about some loyalty. Do you have friends that are loyal to you? I know for a fact, fact, as I look through this congregation of people who are here this morning, this is an area of struggle. I've heard this. These words have gone into my ears. I don't know who I can trust. What a sad statement. Friends are loyal. Because Jesus is our friend, do you know that we can always count on him? He's always loyal to us. He doesn't whisper and tell other people about you. He holds things in confidence. He's loyal. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And Luke 15, we looked at it last week, uh, records the story of the prodigal son. And when all of his friends deserted the boy, the father was still loyal to his son. He kept looking every day. He was loyal. Even though his son wasted his life, the Bible says, with riotous living. Number eight, friends bring out the best. Friends bring out the best. Genuine friends always want what is best for us. The Bible says, iron sharpens iron. And so therefore, a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend Friends make you better. They want the best for you. Um, one of our church members has a new vehicle. And you always know when someone has a new vehicle because they park it the furthest away from every other vehicle. And they, and, and they can have a handicapped sticker and get a brand new vehicle. And suddenly they're not handicapped anymore because they park in the very back next to the fence, taking up two spots, straddling two spots to make sure, and have no problem walking in that Sunday. Now, when, when there's a Coke or French fry spilled in the car, then they're parked over here. But until that time, they're parked far away. They love their new vehicle. I've seen it happen uh, here. And you know what? I love it when someone gets something new. It's never a threat to me. You have a new suit you have a new car. Wow, the Lord has blessed you. You have a new hairdo. I'm so thankful you have hair. I'm just, hey, listen, I'm thankful when the Lord does great things. You got a new job. You're making what? Praise the Lord. The tithe will be bigger. That's how I react, all right? So I love it when God does good things for your life. But I've also witnessed people that says, he never does that for me. And they're instantly jealous or covetous when something good happens to someone else. My friend, I, a true friend wants the best for your life. They want you to succeed. They want you to thrive. That's the kind of friends that you want in your life. And so I say this, number eight, friends bring out the best that's what they what, what they're good at. They want you to succeed. They want you to do well. Do you know Jesus is our friend and he brings out the best? 
He causes all things to work to good in our life, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28. And even though we go through trials, those trials make us better. Listen to James chapter 1. The Bible says here, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall or, or give in or, or have this uh, very difficult temptation in your life, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience is there to help you. My friend, when your friends are going through a hard time, that's not the time to be a cockroach and scatter. That's the time to come be like a mama and come and help and be nurturing when a friend goes through a hard time. Number nine, friends build us spiritually. Friends build us spiritually. Here's the truth. A genuine friend wants us to become more like Christ. Oh, yes, they want the best for us, but they want us to become more like Christ. Someone said this, a friend is one who knows you as you are, understands where you've been, accepts who you've become, and still gently invites you to grow. Your best friends aren't necessarily those who you play with or shop with. Those are, those, your best friends are those who pray with you and those who lovingly guide you spiritually. And a true friend is not necessarily uh, the one that you play with, but it certainly should be one that you pray with. In other words, someone that's genuinely concerned about your spiritual well-being, that can, that's concerned about your future rewards in heaven. Jesus wants us to grow spiritually. Finally, this morning, talking about this area of friendship, friends love. Friends love. Genuine friends express their love and their appreciation. I got a couple of guy friends in my life. Uh, I, I can't use names because I'm not here to embarrass anyone because I never like to embarrass anyone. Um, I got a couple of guy friends in my life. And I'll grab their hand and they're, they're, they're a couple of tough guys that, that they don't really, they really don't like affection. And I'll grab their hand and pull them in and give them a big old one arm high, and, and they're stiff as a board. Years later, they're still stiff as a board. I don't care if they're a friend, I'm going to love them. And friends love. Friends are grateful for all these other characteristics that are in a friendship. Reminds me of a story, true story. Many of you have seen Brian's song. The friendship between Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo was one of the strongest relationships of all, in all of sports. For those younger, you have no idea probably of who this is, but it was during the 1969 season, Piccolo was cut down with cancer. And he fought to play the season out, and, but he was in hospitals more than he was in games. Gail Sayers, he flew to be beside him as often as possible during the football season, and they had planned to sit together at the Professional Football Writers Annual Dinner in New York, where Sayers, he was going to be given the George Hallis Award as the most courageous player in all of pro football in 1969. However, Brian Piccolo was confined to his bed at home, and uh, as he stood there to receive the award, tears sprang to Sayer's eyes, and he said this quote from the speech, You flatter me by giving me this award, but I tell you here and now that I accept it for Brian Piccolo. Brian Piccolo is the man of courage who should receive the George S. Hallis Award. I love Brian Piccolo, and I'd like you to love him tonight. 
Tonight, when you hit your knees, please ask God to love him too. I love Brian Piccolo. Sometimes we like to be in the spotlight. We want to be in the spotlight. We thrive to be in the spotlight. But frankly speaking, listen, you'll be in the spotlight if you be a friend to other people, as we've described this morning. You don't have to worry about lifting yourself up and putting yourself uh, uh, on the pedestal because true friends, true friendship, true friendship, friendship that takes all 10 of these elements, you'll be the greatest encouragement and resource to another person. Someone asked Jesus, how much did you love me? He spread out his arms on the cross and he just simply said, this much. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends.